Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Always a blast talking all things NFL here on the GM Shuffle, but I promise you there's going to be some other stuff here as well, including Aaron Rodgers' cameo on Game of Thrones and my man Lombardi, who is a great follow on Twitter, because not only does he opine on the NFL, but also the NBA and Toronto's own, my man, that's me, taking on Lombardi, who loves his Sixers like nobody's business. That's a shot the Raptors never hit. Kawhi Leonard, four bounces in a Game 7, tied at 90 at home, Bedlam in Toronto across Canada, and you, of course, were furious. You were going to draw this to the NFL because it goes with your Art Modell theory, <laughs> and Brett Brown stays with the Sixers. Yeah, well, you know, the Art Modell theory is one of the greatest theories of all time. Art Modell would fire Brett Brown for the two things he doesn't do very well, which obviously is coming out of a timeout and getting a 24-second violation. That's not really good, right? So he would fire Brett Brown for what he couldn't do. And then he would hire me, let's say, because I could do those two things really well. But I only do like 10 things other than that good. Meanwhile, Brett Brown did 50 things really good. So now Art's like 40 in the hole, right? <laughs> so you just fire somebody to fire somebody without thinking it through. I'm actually kind of glad that he did it. You know, I mean... The guy went from, I don't think I could go from where Kawhi Leonard got the ball to where he shot it in four sets. Like, I don't think it's possible for me to get there in four. Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's a shot every single time. If you watch, if you diagram, you go, that's a terrible shot. That is a low percentage shot. It should, and some miraculously, that, he did what Vince Carter couldn't do. Hit a big time shot against the Sixers in the playoffs in a critical moment. I was sitting with my, my youngest son. He was young. We were watching it. When the shot went up, I thought for sure Vince Carter's shot was going in. He was a lot more <laughs> wide open than what. And, you know, if Embiid just cuts the guy off, you know, if Embiid cuts him off and doesn't let him get down there, but, you know, Embiid was exhausted. You know what I found interesting? The fans were talking about Embiid was crying after the game and how important yeah. this was, right? If it's so important to him, right, if it was really matters this much to tears, get he wouldn't have the flu. Yeah, I was about to say, he wouldn't have the flu twice. In the get your ass in shape. Like, really, yeah. like, instead of crying, show me it means more to you than emotionally showing me, right? Get your ass in shape. And that's, to be honest with you, no matter who took the job, Getting a bead in shape and getting a bead to play consistently is the challenge of whoever the coach is. It was amazing to think at one point how bad Embiid was shooting and the fact the Sixers were still hanging around. Like It was an ugly game to watch. It right? really like, was. But now when you think of it, you go, oh, a miracle ending and an amazing bedlam. But yeah, the actual game was painful. It yeah. was not good basketball. It was rescued by a great ending. It was rescued by an ending. But, you know, they yeah. did it. You got to give them congrats. I mean, look, Leonard is just incredible. Like, I, yeah. I mean, he's just... 41 flat. points in a game seven like that. That's pretty remarkable. He's really remarkable. All right, we got over-unders here momentarily, plus a breakout running backs for next year. But, Mike, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and the dysfunction with Mark <laughs> Murphy. What is going on there? Well, you know, it's funny. Let's piss off Mark Murphy today. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, sorry, I should interject. Tommy Deverville did not take your challenge, by the way, last week no, coming on the he's, program. He's gone so. whispers. He's too busy running for Senate. Meanwhile, I'll <laughs> campaign against him wherever he's running, you know. <laughs> I'm going to show up there with a sign in the stands when he gives a speech. You know, you won't even debate me, let alone debate these other people. <laughs> people i mean come on <laughs> you know in jfk where the mr x goes through the whole thing and he says that jfk wanted to splinter the cia yeah right well that's what mark murphy's done to the green bay packers he splintered it to where that gm doesn't have any power 
The head coach doesn't have any power, and he has all the power. And so the dysfunction that's going on is because Mark Murphy has taken the team and basically has said, I'm the king of all kings. Everything must go through me, even though he is doing his best Al Davis, which is Oliver North invented this term, plausible deniability. Murphy right. can just sit there and says, oh, I have nothing to do with it. He has everything to do with everything that goes on in the building. He is running the Packers. And this is the first time in the history of the Green Bay Packers, going back to before Lombardi arrived in 59, that the president has had this much power. What people don't realize, A.D., is when Lombardi went there, the Packer wasn't a good job. Everybody was complaining about how the board was involved, how all these, the president was running the team, too many people. In fact, he almost left in 60, I think it was 61, to take the Eagle job because there was some of that going on in the building. But Mm -hmm. the reality of it is now it's finally come full circle. Amazing to think, too, because you're right. Mike McCarthy, when he was there, I mean, it seemed like people turned on him. It was just like, God, get McCarthy out of here, refreshed with him, disconnected him and Aaron Rodgers. And now you go front office upheaval and Aaron Rodgers. That's the story right now with Lambeau. And it's yeah. like, how do you think Aaron Rodgers deals with all this? Because he knows, as you said, I don't want to say the emperor has no clothes, but there's like one guy up there now in the throne. Right. And he and he's the king of all kings. And even though he says, I'm not the king, I have nothing to do with it. When you fire a coach who they named the street after, right? <laughs> You know, and you fire him on a Sunday night with no real respect towards, you know, it's like when Christopher didn't respect the Bing. Well, right. he's not respecting the Packers. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, seriously, you got to respect the Bing. Yeah, if you can't respect a strip club or there's you know, nefarious activities being taken down yeah. by wise guys, what good are you, Chris? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I just think to me, that's what's going on in Green Bay. That's the underlining story. And if you're the head coach, and Matt LaFleur, you got a big challenge in front of you. You couldn't pick your staff. I mean, nobody in the NFL denies that Matt LaFleur is just in there to basically run the offense, and Petten's going to run the defense, and Mark Murphy's running the team. Yeah, it'll be an interesting situation with Green Bay. We'll definitely discuss them when we do our NFC North over-unders, but we want to go AFC East over-unders here, Mike. And honestly, you look at this division, and it's just it's one shining jewel and it just a giant turds everywhere else especially when you look at the odds i'll go through them quickly patriots six to one to win the super bowl jets are 80 to one bills are 100 to one dolphins are 200 to one i don't deny the patriots your former employer are a great team first class organization but can we just once get a reasonable competitor can we just once have a division that will challenge them just slightly i mean how are the the jets even 80 to one to win a super bowl has anybody paid attention to their offseason? I mean, Le'Veon Bell, he's going to come to the OTAs. Isn't that very kind of him? I really appreciate it. We just gave you a hundred and some million dollars, and he's, gonna, he's decided he'd like to come. He doesn't want to break his routine. You right. know what I find funny about the Jets? We talked about this on the podcast before about Adam Gase and Mike McKagan not getting along, right? And Gase came out with this scathing, that story's so untrue, it pisses him off. Every story I broke about Miami – when Gase was the head coach down there, you know, he wanted to trade Devontae Parker. He wanted to trade. There was another player he wanted to trade. He denied that. And all of them turned out to be true. They all did. That's what is great. He's very good at denying stories that are completely 1,000% true. And he knows they're true because he's talked to people in the NFL about how much the dysfunction going on in the building in terms of the guy down the hall really doesn't understand what the hell's going on. The Jets specifically, Mike, they've got it here at seven and a half as the over-under. So to your point, 80 to one to win the Super Bowl, 40 to one to win the AFC, five to one to win the division. I guess to your point, I guess they figure Bell's there, Sam Darnold just a year better, you know, quarterbacks get better over a year. Like 
Over under seven and a half. I'm, I'm still taking the under. I don't think they're a 500 team. Do you? I, I don't either. And that's what, like, I, I think to me, the best bet of all is Miami over five. Here's why. Miami over five. So Miami's got to play Buffalo, the Jets, and uh, New England, right? Yeah. So you figure if they can beat Buffalo and the Jets just one time, that's two wins, right? Mm-hmm. They got Washington and the Giants. That's four. Now they got the Bengals. Okay, that's five. All right, so they can maybe get five because you're going to win. I mean, now the key game is going to be the opening against Baltimore. Baltimore's going to be in those hot purple uniforms. It's going to be hot as shit in Miami. And to win down there, trust me, even <laughs> New England doesn't win down there. In the New England plays week two down there. Right. The humidity, yeah. It's, I mean, you're going to have a hard time winning in that humidity with your dark jerseys going down there, and you you can't practice for it. So for me, that if they beat Buffalo Jets, Washington Giants, Bengals, and they can beat Baltimore or even upset New England, because I could see them doing that early in the year. New England's not ever any good. In, they're six. Everybody has them picking first pick in the draft. I don't see that. I think that they're going to try to keep winning. So Dolphins over under five, you take the over. We discussed the Jets. Buffalo Bills over under at six and a half. That's the I mean, hard one, That seems one, like right? a good number to me, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I where... mean, because I have no faith in Josh Allen to be accurate and be consistent. Although when you look at them now, you know, they end up, they have Denver at home. They have the Jets home late in the year, which you got to figure, if they beat the Jets twice, right? They mm-hmm. play the Jets the first game of the year. Then they play the Jets late in the year in Buffalo. Cold could be, you know, those games could not count. And then they got the Giants, Cincy, and then they got to go to Tennessee. That's a tough one for me. I'd stay away from Buffalo. If I was if I was betting on this, I'd stay away. I just don't think you can have enough confidence in what they're going to do. And the Patriots, again, the over-under seems smart, Mike. They got it at 11. Like, do you, do you feel like they're a 12-4 and four team or they're more like a 10-6 and six team? Like, I think 12-4. and four. Belichick's calling plays on defense now, but you're right. 11-5 and five is probably the right pick, which would be a push. Right. I think it's a push. I don't know if they can get to 12 because I think they're going to have a hard time in September figuring out who they are. You know, they always do. Right. They always have a hard time, and Brady's not at the OTA. Oh, he hasn't been so far. Now, maybe he's coming. You know, losing Gronk's a huge loss for them, and they're going to have some pieces that they're going to have to pick up. Now, maybe do they get Ben Watson? That helps in the passing game a little bit. But, you know, Dwayne Allen blocked pretty good for him last year in the running game. Sonny Michelle, is he going to be 100% healthy? You know, where are they as a football team? I think it's going to take some time to get them together. What if the team is struggling? Do you think Gronk could come back midseason? Like in baseball, he's like a midseason acquisition. Like, you know, Jason Witten did Monday Night Football for a year. He's back with the Cowboys. What if I think Belichick called him, Brady called week six? Hey, Gronk, come back. Just play 10 games. I think Gronk's going to miss it. Now, the difference is there's a time where I think it's after the trading deadline where mm-hmm. if a player wants to come back to his team, he has to go through the waiver wire. So right. in 2002, Dion was retired. Okay, and Dion wanted to come play for the Raiders. And we needed a corner late in the year. So he got the Redskins, I think, to waive him late in the year. And the Redskins waived him. He got him. And the Chargers claimed him just to keep him from going to Oakland, <laughs> which is a smart <laughs> thing to do. Did. right? Which Absolutely. he never showed up, right? He never showed right. up. So that's why Gronk would have to make this decision before the trade deadline at the end of October if he wants to come back. I would still place a, a bet that Gronk plays. I can't imagine he's having any fun outside of football, especially if he can miss training camp. Yeah, as you know, Mike, having been in the trenches, that's what these guys don't want to do. Just you skip the two-a-days, skip the training camp. I just want to play. Yeah, right. Exactly. You get rid of all the other nonsense. If I just play football, I'm in. 16 days, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the case. I mean, I think there's no doubt that, that he wants to play. 
I mean, I just think the hard part is the volume of the season gets to him. The whole everything I got to do. And then it becomes difficult. Right. What do you make of Belichick reportedly calling defensive plays? Is this the master going, I want to get my, my teeth back into this thing a little bit? Well, I think he's got to do it. I don't think there's anybody that they, he could give it to. I think he'll rely on some of those guys to set it up, but why not? Why shouldn't he just – he's the best coach on the staff. Why not? I mean, he could call the offensive plays if he wanted to, too. I think if Josh McDaniels would have taken the Indianapolis Colt job, he probably would have called the offensive plays as well, you know, right. when he left. So I, I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue. He's going to set up the game plan, and then I'm sure he's going to confer with somebody, whether he'll have Mayo sit next to him, whomever, and then go from there. Quick thought on the patch before we transition to fancy breakout running backs for next year. News involving Robert Kraft. The prosecution dealt a major legal blow after the court's decision to suppress the videos. Two schools of thought here, Mike. Some are saying, well, money wins. All of a sudden, if you got enough money, you can convince people you don't have to release it. But I, part of what I see is that what really is the point of seeing the video? You know what he's alleged to have done. We all Like, what level do you need to see the humiliation and the shame public, right? I don't know, how, I don't know what your take is on it. Well, I, I think to me, it's going to be interesting what the commissioner's take is. Because the commissioner doesn't rule in a court. That's what's making me crazy about the Tyreek Hill thing. Which you've been tweeting, by the way, every day. Day, day 12, nothing. Day, day 15, now. nothing. We're yeah, day yeah. 19. He's done nothing. Which, <laughs> yeah. you know, people say, well, he's letting for the law. No, wait a minute. He doesn't need the He's collectively bargained to have the right to do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to suspend Tyreek Hill forever, the union can charge it and say all they want. It's written in the collective bargaining agreement. There's nothing he can do about it. So that's what's going to be interesting to see is how the commissioner uses his power regardless of what the court's outcome says. Because see remember, it's yeah. about how you've damaged the league in the perception of the league. Right. And I know it's dangerous to try to predict as to what Goodell could do, but I, it, it's a matter of games, right? It's, it's not just a fine. It's four games, eight games. Right. It, you got you got to feel like they are going to have to make a statement at some point. And I'm sure that, you know, look, Jim Irsay went through the same situation. I think, what did he get? A million dollar fine? Yep. So I, I would suspect it's going to go all on that. I don't think the commissioner is really worrying about whether the courts say something. I think he's worried about whether he thinks it's damaged. It was the lead news story on the, uh, on the NBC News with Lester Holt. It was the lead story. Yeah, you're right. And if you're right, if you're looking at public perception, damaging to league, reputation, et cetera, tarnishing the shield, I mean, that's... And that's where, the, that. that's where Hill's thing comes in, which makes me crazy, is because like he's gotten all the evidence he needs. Plus, people are on Twitter saying, well, Lombardi, give the kid a chance. It's only... No, this is his second chance. Like, this is it. Right, like you get the, a second chance. You don't get a third chance. That's the way right. it works. Like, there's a child who's in foster care now. Like, I, if you ask anybody who's gone through foster care, I don't know very many happy stories in foster care. Do you? No, it's it's very, very sad. Yeah, I mean, and it can right. be painful. I mean, it can be. Now, I'm sure there are some, and I don't want to dis disrespect anybody who's taken children in and treated mm -hmm. them with kindness and greatness. But, I mean, let's face it. That's not exactly a, a path that a lot of people succeed from. No, you're right. It's very, very troubling. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in 
instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Uh, let's segue over to fantasy breakout running backs for next year. All, honestly, on the GM Shuffle, you're going to get over-unders, you're going to get fantasy. Mike's helping everybody make some money next year. Sleepers, Miles Sanders at Philly. I love this pick. The Eagles needed a running game. Running game was terrible a season ago. You like the Penn State running back drafting the second round to make an immediate impact behind that O-line. Yeah, because I think, remember, we talked about the draft. It's always for running backs. It's really never about running. It's about block, catch, run. So when you can block, you can catch, you then get a chance to run the ball. And I think Sanders is going to be able to do that. There's a huge hole. I know Howard's going to be there. But I think the more diverse they're going to be offensively is when Sanders is in the backfield. And that's going to help them. I think when Howard's in the backfield, they're going to be in the same situation that they were when Blunt was in the backfield. Hey, he's getting the ball. Watch out. He's getting the ball. Everybody knows he's getting the ball. You know, the reason they traded him from Chicago is because he wasn't diverse in the passing game. I think Sanders gives them more of that, and they can run their whole offense with Sanders. I think he's a good sleeper pick. I think the other sleeper, and this isn't a sleeper pick, but if you just look at Gary Kubiak and what he's done offensively, and I know Kevin Stefanski's running the offense, but they're going to run the Kubiak offense. I think Dalvin Cook's going to have a huge year. I think he's going to have a huge year. He's going to touch it a zillion times. He's going to be on the field all the time. I think he's going to have a huge year. I, I would get Dalvin Cook early if I could. Now, that'd be good news for the Vikings. because clearly their running game a year ago was really poor. Joe Mixon with Cincinnati. You think he can help give them a boost? I think he's the Todd Gurley. So I think what you have to do with these coaches that have gone and left places, you got to figure out the role the player is going to be. So, for example, Joe Mixon is going to be Todd Gurley. He can catch it. He can run it. They're going to run that offense. So I think he's going to be that guy that does it. I think he'll be really effective for them. If they have any success offensively, it's going to be because of Mixon. I think Mixon's ready to have a breakout year. I would lay off of taking the Barkley. Look, we know Barkley, Elliott, Camaro, McCaffrey, and Gordon. We know those five guys. Look, that's everybody's top five. But if you want to manage your horizontal board in the in the fantasy league, yeah. then this is how you do it. Find value somewhere else that you feel like you could take the one or two players you got to have. And I think Mixon and Cook are really could be values on that horizontal board as you're looking at it. Which brings us to the last two of the sleepers. Indianapolis last year, Andrew Luck had a great resurgence. Uh, offensive line for years obviously wasn't sturdy enough, but you think Marlon Mack could be a difference maker out of the backfield? And this is what I have not heard anywhere else, Mike. Aaron Jones with the Packers. What's your thought there? Well, I think it's the same thing. It's going to be a little bit like Green Bay. It's going to be like the Rams, right? Mm -hmm. So I think with LaFleur, his background, I think they got to settle on a back in Green Bay. I think Aaron Jones is multidimensional. He's multi-talented. And I think that Rodgers likes him the most of all the backs. I think he's going to – if they have a good year in Green Bay – Aaron Jones, A, has got to stay healthy. That's been a problem for the kid coming out. When he was at UTEP, 
I saw this kid at UTEP as a sophomore dominate and really look like a big-time player. I think Aaron Jones could be a star next year because I think he's finally ready to emerge and take that next step. And in this offense, he becomes Gurley. He becomes the Todd Gurley. But he's got the ability to catch the ball in the backfield as well, and he can make some huge plays. I think that's a guy that you got to look at. When you're looking at this is who fits the role of the guy. If you want to draft Gurley – you better have some real big kahunas because who knows what Gurley's going to do, right? They're going to split Gurley's reps up a little bit now. Yeah, that's what you said. The concerns, Gurley with the Rams, David Johnson with Arizona, and Le'Veon Bell, despite the fact he's showing up for camp. It's very nice of him. I appreciate that he's coming in. <laughs> wonder if they'll have like a red carpet for Le'Veon when he comes in. Do you think that'll be nice for him? I mean, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, it's New York. Why not? We What's just paid concern? you all this money. You're supposed to help us lead the team. And you stay away. Like, if you were the GM of the, of the Jets, wouldn't you have said to Le'Veon, look, before I give you all this coin, yeah. like, your ass is going to be here in the offseason, right? Like, that's part of the deal here. Like, right. we need you to create a culture in this building. You're the highest paid player. You're the best player. We just gave you all this coin. Like, you're not an independent contractor. You're not just painting the outside of the house, right? You got to come <laughs> in and paint the inside too, right? <laughs> Independent contractor, Le'Veon Bell. That's his nickname now for the rest of the season. What's the concern with Johnson, Mike? Is it the fact that Kingsbury with Arizona, you just think Kyler Murray's going to be the focus of the offense? There's not going to be enough for Johnson? I think that's a preseason take-a-look-see. I don't think any of us really know how much the back's going to be involved. You know, with Mike Leach's offense, the back is involved. So this could really skyrocket. But I don't know where Kingsbury's going to be in terms of how much he wants to use the back and if he's ever going to get his – you know, they signed some tight ends, so I don't know how much Y wing he's going to be in and how much David Johnson's actually going to run runs that he likes to run. So I'm a little bit iffy on that one. That's why I'm, I'm iffy on Gurley's knee too because when the Rams drafted in the third round the running back from – you're like, wait a minute, hold on here. That's a high pick to give up for a guy that you're not sure with this other guy is going to come back and play. And just to reiterate your top five again, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara of the Saints, Christian McCaffrey of the Panthers, Melvin Gordon of the Chargers. As you said, all five of those guys, bell cows, tons of carries, relatively young. I mean, there's not much tread on the tires. I mean, that's I, – you're looking at 1,200 rushing yards for each of those guys, I would think, right? And in the case of Barkley and Zeke, you're pushing to 1,500 rushing yeah, yards. Yeah, I mean, if Barkley doesn't have a big year – I mean, first of all, the Giants could easily not have a good year, and Barkley's going to have to have it in the passing game. I mean, you think he's going to – he's got to be multidimensional. Because they're just not going to line up and run the ball against people. And especially if they get to Daniel Jones, we talked about it last week with this schedule, they get to Daniel Jones, oh, watch out. Story time is always with Mike Lombardi is fun. In this case, uh, somber news as former Chiefs coach Gunther Cunningham passing away at the age of 72. I feel like you've touched so many stories and people in the NFL. What are your remembrances, Mike, of Gunther? Well, Gunther was one of those guys who had been around a long, long time. He worked for the Raiders. He was one of, he was one of Al's guys at the Raiders. Uh, defensive coordinator. Al loved defensive coordinators. People misconstrue Davis as an offensive guy. Al loved defensive coaches. He always loved Gunther. Gunther kind of was always the guy that would, would gravitate towards Al. And, I mean, at 72 years old, it's just way too early to die just too early. I, they mentioned cancer, but to me, I just felt badly, you know, for his family. Good guy, stand-up guy, you know, became a head coach, clearly wasn't a head coach, but was a coordinator. And then he kind of got, he bounced around. I mean, he had to go to Al Davis rehab too, like we all had to do. I mean, let's face it, he got his, when you're the defense coordinator of the Raiders, you're going to get killed because Al loves defense. Right. 
Al loves defense. In fact, my favorite Al story of all time is when we played the Chiefs in 2005. They were really good. They had they had Johnny Morton. They had Eddie Kennison. They had a bunch of great, great, great players. Jason Dunn was a tight end. Tony Gonzalez. Willie Rofe was the tackle. Oh, I mean, yeah. they were really, really good. Trent Green. Larry Johnson. I, I still think Priest Holmes was there, but they were rotating. I mean, they were good, right? So we're playing them. All week, and it's late in the year. North Turner's the head coach. Rob Ryan's the defense coordinator. Don Martindale's the, uh, the linebacker coach. And we run a coverage on Wednesday in practice. And I'm like, I've never seen us run this coverage before. It's really a weird coverage. So I clip it out and wait for Al to call me on Wednesday night. Well, Al calls me Wednesday night and says, you know, and it's always, and I got three things for you. I was there 10 years. I played the road games the whole time. I never had a home game. Never had a right. home game. Like, I couldn't ask questions. So, I, I got three things for you. Well, the three things that he asked me weren't the coverage. So, I didn't get a chance to go. You know, I never – I'm not asking him. Next Thursday comes, I got three things for you. Never talks about the coverage. Friday comes, I got three things for you. Never <laughs> talks about the coverage. Sunday, we're winning 31-28. Okay? 2.04 to go in the game. I think it's second and 10 at, our, at, the, at the Chief 25-yard line. Now, we've run the coverage about five times during the game. We run it this play, and Eddie Kennison catches a slim post for a touchdown. We lose the game 34-31. I get home that night. My phone starts ringing. Oh, my God, he's screaming at me. Why did you let him run that coverage? I'm like, Mr. Davis, we ran the coverage all week at practice. I clipped it out for you. Don't you tell me, click, hangs up the phone. Next morning, I go into work early. In comes Rob Ryan with a big box of good and plenties. You know, he's singing along. You know, him and Don Martindale, his chauffeur, drives him in. And so I said, hey, fellas, the old man is going to get your ass big time. You better be careful. And he said, for what? I said, I don't know where you came up with that coverage, but I'm just telling you, he hates that coverage. You came up with it, and he's pissed about it. And Rob Ryan looks at me and says, what the fuck are you talking about? He made me put that coverage in. <laughs> True story. Can't beat it, man. Can't, he can't beat I mean, it. that's why when I went to meet Michael Lewis, the, the guy who wrote the Moneyball yeah. and Liars Poker and all the great Blind books, side. I used to have lunch with him at, at this restaurant in Berkeley called Saul's about once every six weeks. And I would tell him some of these stories and he would say, oh, you got to write a book. I said, well, I'd like to write a book. He said, you got to meet my publisher, Star Lawrence. He's over there on 40th and Madison. you got to go see him. So after I get sent to Elba from uh, in Oakland, I'm out. I, I go meet Star Lawrence, you know, and I sit down in Star's office. It's got all these books. It looks so great. And I start telling him some of these stories, and, and Star says to me, you know, Michael, I believe you, but nobody's going to believe that any of these are true. We couldn't write a book. <laughs> Still we're a best-selling book, though. Great Iron Genius. Check it out right oh, now. Thank Amazon you. Books. You're plugging that for a good reason. Speaking of plugs, my man, how about this? I'm just going to read this to you. There's a dark side to the American dream. From the creators of Root of Evil, Gangster Capitalism Season 1 is centered on the 2019 college admissions scandal, exposing everyone from CEOs to celebrities. We here at Cadence 13 are thrilled to announce Cadence 13's original series, Gangster Capitalism. Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. A couple of guys like you and me who love gangsters. I mean, Gangster Capitalism. Is there a better title no, going I, right I, now? I swear to God, I wish I wrote that title. I would have loved the trademark. <laughs> gangster Capital, are you kidding me? I mean, Al Capone was the inventor of Gangster Capitalism. That should have been Tony like season six, Gangster Capitalism, right? Like, yeah. That's, that's, that's I mean, the story. Al Capone was the king of Gangster Capital. What's your favorite Capone movie? Uh, you know, I love The Untouchables just because, you know, De Niro's ramping it up. And, and Sean Connery's so great as Malone. He's Sean Connery's the best. That's the Chicago way. And that's how you get Capone. 
Yeah, you got it. If he brings a knife, you bring a gun. I love that. <laughs> that to me is the greatest. That's exactly what NFL teams have to do. When they come after you with this, you got to do that. They should play that for all NFL teams. He's convinced that Andy Garcia's name is not George Stone. I love that scene so much. He goes, what's your real name before you changed it? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I still think there's a great Capone movie now. I think there could be yeah. a great Capone movie somewhere because the guy's too interesting. Like, just imagine if you were telling somebody about him, you go, hey, this guy was like the first true American gangster. Everyone knows his name. And he's like, and then he got busted for like income tax evasion. It's like, unbelievable, what? right? <laughs> and then he's in he's in Boardwalk Empire, but there's yeah. not enough of him in Boardwalk Empire to really appreciate him. Like, right. there's, like to me, there's two characters in, uh, well, one in, one in sports, George Weiss, the GM of the New York Yankees. There should yeah. be something on him. Here's a guy that Mickey Mantle, I mean, this guy built teams like you can't believe. And then I think, yeah. uh, I think Al Capone they're just not recognized question i got for you on capital is i watched felicity huffman hold hands with this guy going in there like where's bill macy is he still is he shooting well, a movie or what no felicity Huffman holding hands with her brother but you're right to william h macy i was like why didn't he get charged but apparently he's not complicit now i don't know if that means he didn't know about it or why he wasn't formally but we'll find out if you listen to gangster capitalists because you're right you would think a husband and wife are aware if they're in cahoots together here. Yeah, And, and why did Lori Loughlin go pit, not like, guilty? Like, to me, these people with great wealth, when we send them away, like, and they become guests of the government, like, why are we paying for them to be guests of the government so they can get in shape? Like, they're all going to go to, like, what, Cohen went to this camp up there. My man, Billy, who's that guy that did the Fry Festival? He's up there, too. Oh, yeah, Fire Fest. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's Makes up there. Big, it's like in Goodfellas, like when Henry Hill and Paulie yeah. go to prison. They're just, you know, cutting the Oh, an aristocrat. The oh, an aristocrat. <laughs> you know the guy cooking the steaks? Uh, is that Johnny Roast Beef? No, uh... No, Johnny Roast Beef's in L.A. He he runs the Rayos in L.A. right now. The guy cooking the steaks is Frank Pellegrino. He was in Sopranos, but he also is the owner of Rayos. Really? He's the owner of the Rayos. Because he goes, how do you like your steak? He goes, oh, medium rare. Oh, That's the guy you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to that restaurant now. How, you got, we, got, we have to go to Ray, Rayos in New York. Is has got to be one of the greatest. It's one of the greatest events. I was in there one night with Millie and another couple – and we had, I think we had Dick Shap's table. Dick Shap oh. has owned a table every Tuesday night forever. So yeah. literally, we're in there, and and we're and you know it's it's no menu. They're come, but they have a menu, but they really they come over and they talk to you about it. So we're yeah. in there. Dessert comes, and there's this big goomba in there. Now he had to be connected, right? And he's sitting at the booth behind us, but he really don't fit in the booth. Like he doesn't fit in the booth, right? Right. So he moves over to once. Now this is eleven o'clock at night, and the grappos coming out, and you know the limoncello's coming out, all the stuff's coming out. So he moves over to the table, and he sits down, and now comes the cheesecake. The dude unbuckles his belt, unbuckles his belt <laughs> like Paulie did in The Sopranos, <laughs> and goes mud on like that, and lets out a big burp, and in comes the it comes the and right comes the cheesecake right there. He cleansed the palate first, prepared himself, and just one big wallop. He's done. I mean, if you want to write a novel, you could sit at Rayo's and, and get enough characters to last you forever. We're going to get them to plug the pod. This is great. Jim Shuffle, now brought to you by Rayo's. So Mother's Day, I've got my wife a present. I'm just going to rush out to Target quickly and just pick up a card and a balloon. And I go over there, and there's a gentleman there who's also like, man, pretty slim pickings. I'm like, yeah, I mean, everyone's rated this with all the good cards. So, I mean, Hallmark Holidays, here we go. So he grabs something, he comes back, he goes, you find anything? I'm like, yeah, I got one. I'm going to find something better. He goes, hey, do you do a podcast? I'm like, that's an awfully rare thing for someone to say to me at a Target on a Sunday morning. And I said, yeah, I, I do, actually. 
And he's like, I'm a good friend of Michael Lombardi's. I'm like, are you kidding? He's like, Ken, I'm nice to meet you. I'm like, yeah, because I've known Mike for 10 years. I said, dude, Lombardi's awesome. I go, he's so funny. He's been very generous to me. He's kind. He goes, oh, he, he speaks raves about you as well. And I said, but I understand the connection with you and Mike. He's like, I've known him for 10 years. He's like, I'm helping him stuff with speaking engagements. I go, you know what? My man is killing it right now on the speaking engagements. After Gridiron Genius, this has been great he for you. He is so. an incredible guy. Ken is one of the most incredible people I've ever met in my life. He, he is able to, he knows more people. He's helped promote Gridiron Genius more than anybody I've ever had. He's got me on Yahoo Finance. He's like my second, he's like an agent to me. He's my agent. Seriously, he's a booking agent. He does it all and he knows everybody. And I met him through the power of the internet. That's the fascinating thing is the internet, there is some good to the internet in terms of you can meet some really quality people. Some of the some of my closest friends now I met when I was writing for the National Football Post at Jay Kelleher, a lawyer from Albany, New York, is a tremendous guy. And then Ken is this from West Hartford. He's been like he's been like part of my my business family forever. And it's he's really an incredible guy. Yeah, he's a great dude. So it's definitely good to meet him and uh, have you come up on Mother's Day. Last one for I need a big favor from you. You ready? Okay, go ahead. All right, so Game of Thrones finale is coming up. So I watched the first episode a few years ago, and it just wasn't for me, right? I said to my wife, listen, I'm sorry, as you and I have discussed, I'm just not a big Dungeons and Dragons kind of guy. However, this past Sunday for Mother's Day, because she's so hyped up for the show, we got the kids to bed, I go, I'm going to watch it with you. She goes, really? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, I go, you don't have to explain anything to me. I'm not going to ask who these characters are. <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy the show. If you want to explain some things to me, that'd be nice, but whatever you want. Like, it's Mother's Day, it's your day. So we enjoyed the experience. I now know everything about you know Cersei and Jaime, and there's incest going on, and like Tyrion Lannister, who's going to win the throne. So I'm I'm well vested. I want you to do what I did now, just for the finale. You don't have to watch it with Millie. I don't know if she's watching it, but watch the finale and see how much of it you can determine. And then you and I are going to break it down next week on the GM Shuffle, the finale of Game of Thrones. So this is watching a show without context. Is this Sunday the finale? This Sunday's the finale. So just sit down and go, okay, the whole world's watching this. I don't get it. I'm not into it. But me and AV are going to compare notes. We don't really I, I, I will watch it. it. I will, will do that. It. I can't have any, because I, I couldn't watch it with Millie anyway, because I would. the first thing I would say to her is, like, well, who's this guy? She would say, Jesus Christ, I hate watching shows with you when you don't know what's going on. So it's probably better that she's on vacation this week <laughs> in Florida being, you know, so I think that would work. I'll, I'm in. I'll do it. Okay, apparently there was three dragons before. They're now down to one dragon. So yeah, I, listen, I, just I just keep, every time Monday morning I get up and I, there's like, spoiler alert, somebody just got whacked. Yeah. Pe- people get so pissed about it. I was like, listen, I, I know what happened to Cersei now, okay? So, hey, spoiler alert, I got the, it. The show's ending. They got to go, right? Oh, absolutely. This is the thing. I, for the penultimate episode, Mike, I was expecting mass carnage. Like, again, Sopranos, the second last episode, the blue comedy, like, oh, my God, Bobby Bacala's gone. Sylvia's in the hospital. Tony's running. Like, what? Like that was a momentous episode. Like, I was like, all right, Game of Thrones. I got it. Cinematography's nice. Cool. It's like what the guy said in The Sopranos when they're all sitting around the table and they were talking about Vito. Vito and Tony was trying to parlay Vito into, you know, because Tony went to the psychiatrist. Really, if you really want to understand the whole dynamics of The Sopranos, just watch the one scene when he's in there with Melfi getting advice on what to do with Vito. That advice he's getting, well, after that, he goes back and tries to put that advice in, and the guy says, he's got to go, and he just extends that go. That's that's the whole series right there. He got to go. <laughs> that whole episode is amazing, by the way. The humor that with Chris's reaction to it, Polly, of course, is angry. We're going to take care of it. You're right. Tony's trying to be sympathetic, even though you're right. And let's see with Melfi, he's displaying all of his macho tendencies and his beliefs on this guy. 
The best is when uh, what's his face Meadow's boyfriend comes in. What the hell was his name? He had the weird name. Uh, Finn. Finn, yeah, Finn comes in and Tony says to him, like he's 10 years old, go get yourself a sandwich, any kind you like. <laughs> and he gives him the money. Because <laughs> Finn has to tell him what happened. Gonna to him. <laughs> Wait a minute. Pitching, not catching? Pitching, not catching? That's one of the great lines of all time. Pitching, not catching when he was talking about what Vito was doing. Oh, Pitching, not big. catching? Oh, God. <laughs> We could, we could do a whole show on The Sopranos. <laughs> it's going to happen. We got to go. This is the GM Shuffle.